Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Did you know that we have a fun collection of clothing you can wear? Check out our collection by visiting sleeptightrelax.com and clicking Merch. A link can also be found in our show notes. Thank you. Our sleep story today is about a school in Avondale and a few of the students there. The first is a girl named Gwen, who thinks she is a very smart, bright, creative girl, but finds out that sometimes her ideas are not the best. Jim is another student in the school, and he hates school and wishes he didn't have to go. Later, he realizes that school can be a great place and works very hard to do his best. Before we continue with our story, let's first make sure you are cozy and comfortable. Turn off the lights, silence notifications, find your comfortable place, your place to relax, or your favorite position in bed. Position your pillows, a teddy, or your other little comforts to make sure that everything feels as it should. Now that you are comfortable, let's take a few minutes to relax your body and mind. We'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. Breathe in slowly through your nose and feel your belly and lungs expand with air. After taking in a long, deep breath, allow your breath to flow back out through your mouth. Just let go of each breath and with it, release any tension or stress you might have been holding on to. You might try to mentally say the word relax as you breathe out. Try this now. Slowly take in a deep belly breath Take your time and don't rush. Just gradually fill your lungs and belly with air, and when they are full, let all that air out, slowly and completely. Breathe in once again. Feel your body fill with air. And when you are ready, 
release the breath. Let it flood out naturally and completely. Try this a few more times. Nice and deep breaths. Feel yourself relaxing as you slowly release the air from your body. As you breathe in and out, feel your belly gently rise and fall. Let your belly soften and relax with each breath. Feel any bad feelings or tension ease away with each breath. Great. Now let's continue with our story about Gwen and Jim and what happens with them at school. What happened at school? Little Sprite Seaford thought Avondale the brightest place that any child ever lived in. And if the sky was blue or if clouds hid the sun, she smiled and still insisted that it was a cheery place. She had not forgotten the charm of her home at the shore, but she remembered that she always felt very happy when the sunlight glistened on the waves. She remembered that when the sky was overcast, the waves were dark and sullen, and the great gulls flew far over the sea. Her laugh lost its gaiety and she forgot to sing her merry songs. Here at Avondale were trees bright with leaves of red and yellow, gardens glowing with gorgeous fall flowers, and Sprite thought Avondale looked as if it were one huge garden through which avenues had been cut, and houses, surrounded by spacious lawns, had been built. School had opened a week earlier than usual, and Sprite already felt at home. She was a favorite with the boys and girls, and, to her great delight, she found that she had progressed in her studies under her mother's guidance, so that, although a little younger than Princess Polly, she would be a member of the same class. Polly and Rose and Sprite made a lovely trio, and older people meeting them as they tripped along together marveled that three such beautiful children happened to be dear neighbors. Gwen Harcourt had not entered school on the first day, but one morning she appeared with the news that she should attend school all year if she chose to. 
but that she could leave at any time if she wished. Oh, but won't your mama make you go to school? A small girl asked. My mama never makes me do anything, declared Gwen sharply. I guess that's so, Rob Lindsay said softly. What did you say? Gwen asked. I don't dare to tell, declared Rob in a teasing voice. You needn't, cried Gwen, and she rudely turned her back toward Rob and started to talk to Leslie Grafton. She talked so fast that she hardly knew what she was saying, but she wished Rob Lindsay would think that she had quite forgotten that he was there. The bell rang, and while the others turned to move quickly toward the schoolhouse, Gwen walked along as if merely out for a stroll, and she entered the schoolroom after all the others were seated. The new teacher thought it a bit strange, but the students knew that Gwen had done it to see if the teacher would say anything to her. As her tardiness passed unnoticed, Gwen at once decided to do something more striking. She was bright and quick to learn, but she cared little for study, and she would have been placed in a much lower class, but for her mother's great influence. Mrs. Harcourt had listened very patiently while it had been made clear to her that her small daughter was not a fit for the class in which her little friends were placed. She was a charming woman, and she had begged, even insisted, that Gwen be placed in the class with Princess Polly, Rose Atherton, and Sprite Seaford, and thus given the opportunity to prove that she could keep up with her class. The new teacher was amused, and believing that Gwen's stay in the class would be of short duration, she yielded. Gwen never studied, and on her first day, she decided that, as she thought herself very smart, she could, by listening to what others were saying, do very well without bothering with books. That's what she said, and the first question in geography that she answered made Rob Lindsay call her a star pupil. What is the capital of Brazil? Gwen stared for a moment, then she tossed her head as she said pertly, Oh, everyone knows that. Next, said the teacher. Gwen was surprised. She had expected to be coaxed. A few moments later, she heard a small girl talking of the Amazon River. She caught the name, and later, when asked the name of the largest river in Africa, she sprang to her feet and neatly shouted, The Amazon! 
Well, why do you laugh? She asked, turning angrily to stare at the laughing class. She was offended when told to sit down and decided to tell her mother that she had not received enough attention. I guess I'll say snubbed, because that will make Mama sure to take my part. She softly whispered. She changed her mind. She often did that and thought that she would not tell at home that she had been displeased. She chose to attend school a week longer, or perhaps a number of weeks longer, because Mrs. Kenyon, just before closing for the afternoon, stated that on Friday of each week, an hour would be reserved for recitations and for the reading of compositions. Gwen thought she saw a chance to shine, and she meant to do it. The following Friday, the pupils arrived with compositions that they had prepared. As is usual in any such school event, some were really good. Others were neither very good nor very bad, but all others were forgotten when Gwen Harcourt started to read. If Gwen Harcourt was vain, conceited, too much of a baby for a child of her age, it was largely the fault of her mother, whose beauty and power to charm were great. Her composition was a good example of what a silly child with an even sillier mother could do in the way of original work. For surely the essay was original. Gwen pranced up onto the platform, made a graceful little bow, and then, nodding to the class, she said, this really, truly happened. <clears throat> the ostrich. The ostrich that I'm going to tell about was in the zoo, in a big city where I went once. And he must have been the biggest ostrich that anyone ever saw. He was as big as a horse, and so he ought to have been called a hostrich. His feathers were all the colors that folks wear on their hats. She paused to note what impression she was making, and a doubting small boy murmured, Oh, oh. Gwen frowned and started to read again. The ostrich didn't look much like the big white owl in a cage near him because the owl had bigger eyes. A few of the pupils giggled and one in the front row muttered, I don't suppose there was any difference in their legs. The ostrich is graceful. She paused again because at this absurd statement, Richard Minton laughed out loud. Oh, graceful, whispered Richard. Richard, 
said Miss Kenyon, her voice deeply reproving. Well, the idea, said Richard. Graceful? Gwen, tell me where you obtained these strange ideas about the ostrich, Miss Kenyon said. Did you read some book about birds, or did someone tell you these things that you have written? These are my own ideas, Gwen answered proudly. I didn't have to read or be told what to write. Mama says I'm a genius, and she read this composition, and she said it was fine. So I don't care what you say about it. You may be seated, said the teacher. But Gwen, not heeding what she said, rushed from the schoolhouse intent upon telling her mother how very badly she had been treated. Miss Kenyon told the pupils that they had been rude to laugh or make comments when another pupil was taking any part in the exercises. They knew that, but they also knew that Gwen's composition had been funny. Gwen rushed home with her composition in her hand. Of course, Mrs. Harcourt praised and comforted her. Absurd, she cried. Did you wish to consult a dictionary? Any ordinary child could do that. But to evolve such odd ideas? Why, that is genius. She is dull if she doesn't know great creative genius when she sees it. And must I go to school again tomorrow? Gwen asked. No, indeed, Mrs. Harcourt said. I shall send you from now on to private school, where your talents will be appreciated. There was another pupil who was far more uncomfortable at school than Gwen had ever been, and that was Jim. Placed in a class with children of six or seven, the awkward boy felt ill at ease and out of place. Yet, while they were years younger than him, they had already spent more hours in the classroom than he ever had. And pages that they read with ease, he struggled over. He was a true nomad, and he loved his freedom and the fresh air. Now, as he sat at his desk, book in hand, he thought of his long tramps over fields and meadow, through forest and valley, and in his heart, he hated school and the people who forced him to attend. What's the use, he muttered under his breath. I can catch woodchucks and birds and squirrels, he said softly, and once I caught a fox. But what can I do here? Nothing but hold an old book. A sharp command to stop muttering and sit still served to increase his wrath. He knew that it was not the teacher who was responsible for his presence at school, but he thought that she wished him to be there because she insisted that he sit still and she would not let him leave the room. It was the policeman that brung me here, but I bet twas her who asked him to, he whispered, thus showing how angry were his thoughts 
and how greatly he needed the training that the teacher stood ready to give. His mother had not dared to keep him at home, although she needed his help. Jim could not understand why she had agreed to let him go to a place where he could neither earn nor get food for the family. He felt that she had not stood by him. He dared not skip because he so feared the policeman who had said that he must attend school. Poor Jim. He believed, as his parents did, that if he did not go to school, he would be sent to jail. Jail was the only thing that Jim thought worse than school. He already considered himself a prisoner in school, but after four o'clock he was free, so that jail was worse only because one could not get out of jail at all. If it's school or jail, I'll go to school, he said. Four weeks he appeared each morning and afternoon, sullen and unhappy. Then something occurred that made him change his mind and his eyes grow bright and his heart grow lighter. Out of all of Avondale, Princess Polly was the only person who spoke kindly to him. Wild, careless Jim fairly worshipped the blue-eyed little girl who always gave him a pleasant word and a smile. One morning after a heavy storm, the roads were in fair condition until the pupils reached a place where they must cross to the opposite side of the street to enter the schoolyard. Jim was not afraid of muddying his shoes because they were so shabby that a little mud could not make them look worse. He sat on the wall and laughed as he saw the girls try to cross the puddle without wetting their feet. Oh, look at the ducks. No geese, he cried, adding, don't be afraid. Water won't hurt you. After the other girls had reached the sidewalk, Princess Polly came tripping along. She had intended to walk to school with Rose and Sprite, but Sprite, not quite ready, had asked Polly to go along, and she would soon be ready and she would catch up. Jim saw her coming and stopped laughing. A second later, he cried, Stop! Oh, stop! Just a minute, will ya? I'll fix that puddle. Polly did stop. Snatching a piece of board that happened to be lying on the ground just over the wall, he flew to where Polly was standing, placed his tiny plank over the puddle, and felt the greatest pride when he saw her walk across her dainty shoes without a spot upon them. Oh, Jim, you were nice to do that for me. Thank you so much, she said. He hardly knew what to reply, but muttering something about being no bother at all, he ran around to the other side of the schoolhouse so that she might not see his confusion. One thought 
filled his mind. He would go to school. Yes, he would go to school every day. So that morning and afternoon, he might be where he could see her and do any little favor or offer any help that she might need. Another thought soon followed. He would work on his studies. He would not be at the bottom of the class. He must catch up with pupils of his own age, or then he would be nearer Princess Polly and thus able to do any little favor or any slight service that might please her. And so Jim worked harder and enjoyed the time he spent in school almost as much as his free time. Almost. And that's the end of our story. Sleep tight. <laughs>